Amen. Good to see all of you today, but especially good to see, uh, where is she, Miriam? Miriam Berman Henley back there. Uh, Miriam has been through a lot, as you know. When, when did you have the brain tumor removed? Four years ago. That was four years ago. Time flies when you're having fun, right? Seems like I thought it was quick. But she, she had that. Then recently she had uh, cancer. Help me if I get this wrong, but cancer, uh, would you say, of the... Uh, the, the word just slipped my mind. Cancer of the femur, and, uh, you know, I mean, that's a, tough, that's a tough surgery. So she's, it's good to see her out at church again today. Thank you so much for coming on a snow day, especially. And uh, uh, so the recovery must be going okay at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. So she got good news that uh, I guess her cancer was a level one. It can, could be one to four, you know, got, and it was a cancer, level one cancer, and her body scan came back totally clean. So we're just rejoicing, amen, amen. Um, I, I just want to say a couple of things. One about community group, uh, um, I hope you'll jump in, but uh, I want to say something about the supper club that we're going to do on every other Friday night at the Blessing Garden Community Center. That's a special kind of group, and it's especially... We especially geared it for those who you just can't go to every week to a group, maybe, or you just want to come one, one time. You want to get to know some people. It's not going to be this any uh, necessarily an expectation that you're going to come every time just because you come once. And um, I, I'm going to try to arrange my schedule so I can be there. So if you're a, a newcomer to Bethany and you'd like to uh, maybe ask me a few questions about the church or have a conversation that would be an opportunity to do that. And in the community center, if you've never been to the, how many of you have been, how many have, have been to the Blessing Barn? Most of you have been, that's great, that's great. It's a magical place. There's something magical about the Blessing Barn. People, people were there yesterday, I, I think it was yesterday from um, Maine, Vermont. People are coming, people are driving two hours and, and I can just walk across the parking lot. Life is a fair. Um, oh, yeah. Who's going to win the game tonight? I, I want everybody to raise your hand if, if, if you believe Cincinnati. My hand's up. Okay. Raise your hand if you believe it's going to be the L.A. Rams. Uh, I, my hand counted the first time. I think we're... What? Raise your hand if you don't care. Raise your hand. That's not fair. You... <laughs> I'm going to find something you care about that I don't care about. <laughs> okay, let's get into the word today. And um, as, you, as we said last Sunday, we're, we're, talking, we're talking through some high points of our new, uh, newly revised Constitution bylaws. And kind of a way of resetting the church in order, I guess you could say. Well, the church is set in order. We're going to reset it in order. Kind of make sure we know who we are, what we believe. I think it's really important. And I'll be mentioning 16 beliefs today and uh, uh, in a few minutes. First of all, let's talk about belief. The Bible says, uh, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. And you see these kind of phrases throughout the Bible. So today's message is, the Extraordinary Power of Beliefs. My subtitle is Recovering the Stability of Values. Because you can't, have, you can't have values without beliefs. 
Values are based on what you believe, firmly believe. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 says, Preach the word, be prepared in season, out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to say. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to miss. Jesus uh, makes a statement in the Gospels. He talks about building our life on his sayings, our teachings. He doesn't say build your life on one of my sayings or one of my teachings. He includes all of them. And, you know, it's human nature sometimes to want to build our life on one of Jesus' favorites, one of our favorites of Jesus' sayings. You know, the golden rule is a lot of people's favorite, so they will incorporate that into their life because do unto others you have them do unto you. Um, or maybe another person will t- pick up seek first the kingdom of God, and that, that's their saying that they like because they like to serve and they like to get involved, so they're going to build their life in the kingdom of God. But Jesus didn't say uh, build your life on a, a saying. He built your life on this body of teaching, all these things, this corpus of information that I'm going to give you uh, in my teachings to you. I want you to build your life, and he calls it, he refers to it, the one who does it is building their house on a solid foundation, on a rock. And the one who does is building their life on sand. Now, now, just so we're clear today, we're talking about beliefs and the power of beliefs. You're not saved merely by believing the right thing. I think that's been a big mistake that in the church, that if you believe these four things, you're saved. Well, belief is important, but the scripture says, um, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God had raised him from the dead. Within that, and you will be saved. Within that, within those two sentences, it's, it's belief, all right, uh, but you're not saved by belief. You're saved by surrender. If we confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God is yeah, believe is important, but when you, the, the, the phrase Jesus is Lord means in that culture, they really understood what they meant. If you were, if you were a Lord, you were in charge. So that's what we got there. And, and uh, uh, Jesus talks about, uh, uh, you know, uh, someday standing before him, and he will say to us, uh, "Good and well done, thy good and faithful servant. Welcome into the joy of the Lord." He's not going to say, "Welcome, well done, thy good and faithful scholar. You knew all these things and you agreed with me, so welcome." No, servant, faithful servant. That's a servant in the biblical times is someone who is totally surrendered to the master, whoever the master was. So beliefs are powerful things, though. They're very, very powerful things. And uh, governments often know when they want to do something, they've got to make the, pop, they've got to make the public believe something. And that goes way back. Some of you think this is new, that manipulation in politics has just, just happened in 2016. Never happened before. But actually, actually, you go way back to 1846 and when President James Polk wanted to own a bit more of Mexico than we already did. Um, he sent Zachary Taylor over across the border to bait the Mexicans into attacking, which they did, of course. <coughs> and so what did, what did he say to Congress? We're under attack. And so we've got to go to war because we're under attack. And when the Me- American-Mexican War was over, we owned a lot more of Mexico. <laughs> but he had to get people to believe that we're under attack. Of course, there was a famous uh, um, weapons of mass destruction that they never found. In, in Iraq, so we 
I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying George Bush manipulated us or anything. I don't know. Uh, it's above my pay grade to know those sort of things. I'm just telling you, what I'm telling you is people that lead and want to go somewhere know that belief is powerful. And, and, and it's important to get people to believe. Some, and, and that can be a true things, of course, getting people to believe the truth. You know, that's one of this years ago, they decided to put on the side of a package of cigarettes, warning, the Surgeon General, warning, the Surgeon General says, or something, I never, I haven't bought cigarettes in a while, so, <laughs> the, the, these are hazards for your health, or something, may cause cancer, I don't know, but uh, they want to get the beliefs right. Uh, uh, John Mayer uh, talked about beliefs in one of his songs. Maybe you're familiar with it. He said, what puts 100,000 children, uh, children in the sand? Belief can, belief can. What puts the folded flag inside his mother's hand? Belief can, belief can. And then adds his apparent solution. You know, the, the great philosopher John Mayer. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's funny how artists can sing and they're beautiful, but they also want to solve the problems of the world. And so he says, oh, everyone believes and no one's going quietly. We're never going to win the world. We're never going to stop the war. We're never going to beat this if belief is what we're fighting for. Um, and, and an earlier artist named John also put beliefs at the core of humanity's issue when he wrote, imagine there's no heaven, no hell, nothing to kill for or die for and no religion. And John Lennon's utopian imagination resolved the problem of all those pesky beliefs and eternal judgment and uh, even property ownership. He, 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 he dissolved all of that with one belief, that we should live together in unity. And that was it. Live together, coexist peacefully. That was the only belief left. So, you know, it... I give, I give John Lennon and John Mayer, I give them an A-plus as artists, I give them a C-minus as philosophers and theologians. By the way, I don't know if anyone, uh, maybe someone on staff would have to do this, but I have a, I have a power cord in my back, in my case in there, and I just see that my battery on my computer is almost down, which may be a wonderful thing uh, to shorten the sermon, but if... Uh, Someone can get that. It's, it's, it's in the pocket near the front, and you can plug it in right there. So, um, However, these songs, that these, these two great artists, they really are, were and are great artists, uh, the fact that they, they, they sing these songs and they wrote these lyrics means that they know that beliefs are extraordinary, powerful, and yes, they can cause us to kill one another. That's how powerful beliefs are. The fact is, uh, uh, the fact is, of course, w wars really don't happen so much because of belief, but they happen because of resources, and they happen because of uh, power, the desire for power and resources. And they really don't happen because, I don't like what you believe, I'm going to kill you. That's, that's really not, they, they really happen because... Uh, uh, the, the tension right now in the South China Sea with China and Taiwan and, and I think there's another country involved is because the islands in the South China Sea, they estimate, have as much oil as, as so Saudi Arabia does. So they're not really fighting over Marxism versus capitalism. They're really fighting over 
oil. <laughs> and that's what it usually is. Anyway, that's an aside. Here's what I say about beliefs. And this is something, this is a quote. This is a quote from me as I made this up. So is it a quote when you make it up? I don't know. If, some, if you go out and tell everybody, I will be very impressed. <laughs> I'll be like, whoa, they're quoting me. But you probably won't, so that's okay. <laughs> Truly Christian beliefs will, here's what I say. Truly Christian beliefs will restrain our worst instincts. Uh, contrary to what John and John think, beliefs aren't the problem. Beliefs are what we need. Beliefs will restrain our worst instincts to oppress, hurt, cause misery, and even death to others in the pursuit of self-interest. Truly Christian beliefs will also check the tendency we have to do harm to others while trying to make their lives better. You know what I mean by that? You, you, you really care about your children, so you spoil them. And you, you, you elevate them so much that you, you, go, you go away in ruining their lives. <laughs> By loving too much, right? That, that's what I mean by that. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna fix everything for everybody. We can make things worse, right? Because everything's a trade-off. So um, uh, uh, I also say this is why we must return beliefs and values to the church, and if possible, raise up a consciousness of beliefs in politics, technology, science, finances, art, and entertainment. You see, see, this is really important. This is why we we want belief at the foundation of our church we must ground our church in beliefs and not just feelings and not just all the other things that are important and matter a great deal we must ground in beliefs because the church of jesus christ has more to offer the world than just soup kitchens and winter coats and we have that and you're going to be seeing the message this morning that, that i think that's terribly terribly important that we offer soup kitchens and winter coats but the church is not just a community benevolent organization we are called by God to to preach the gospel and the gospel is a, a, a the gospel is the teachings of Jesus Christ and the way of life that he gives us um, and if we get ourselves sorted out we might just be able to make a better and more hospital place out of this world that we live in a huge part of our problem right now is we are unmoored from accurate and righteous beliefs and righteous and righteous and healthy values. You know, because in current culture, we, we have often tried to make ourselves the source of authority, the source of knowledge, and the source of wisdom. Uh, it's kind of like having a magnet in your pocket and trying to use a compass. The, uh, the, a, a, a compass works because it is connected to the uh, magnetic field of the earth. And it, get, it, it gets its direction from the magnetic field of the earth. And if you, if you become the magnet, if, if the magnet is on your person, then it disrupts that connection between the compass, which tells you whether, whether north is, where north is and south is and east is and west is, which gives you direction, and you have a magnet on your person, or you are the magnet, then it no longer is directed by the magnetic field of the earth. And so I think you get my point. When you disconnect from a transcendent, all-knowing, all wise, holy God. And when you disconnect from those 16 things that we talk about in our foundation that I'm going to read to you in a moment, when you disconnect from those things, you will be disoriented. 
because you are not getting directions from a reliable source. In fact, your compass will be all confused and be spinning all over the place and you won't know north from south and east from west, up from down or right from wrong. However, that's not what we're going to do. When the human self becomes the ultimate source of knowledge, wisdom, truth, and reflection, they lose the ability to even properly perceive themselves, much less control themselves. Imagine a world without a mirror. I know, you look at me, so I'm not sure you had a mirror today. But I did. I had a mirror. Imagine that. The, the Apostle James compares God's word to a mirror. It's where humans go to see themselves. Otherwise, they fulfill the words of Romans 12, 1, 1.21 that says people knew God perfectly well. But when they didn't treat him like God, refusing to worship him, they trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. No mirror, no compass, nothing to reflect, nothing to direct, except our imaginations. So, here's the article in our Constitution that I want to read to you. And I left the article number accidentally out of my notes. I think it's article four. But anyway, it's one of the articles. Here, here's how it reads. The following statement of faith expresses the beliefs of Bethany Community Church and provides spiritual guidance for all Bethany Community Church operations. No director, officer, employee, member, or person under direction or control of Bethany Community Church shall knowingly take or promote any action that disrupts BCC's ability to operate under these beliefs. Now, if you're a first-timer or a visitor today, I, want, I just want to apologize a bit. We don't normally talk about things in this way. I mean, normally a sermon is directed to personal needs and that sort of thing. But I wanted to take three or four weeks here to, as I said, explain the high points of our Constitution by laws and let you know what our vision is and let you know what you're signing up for and what we believe. A lot of times today we're not talking about beliefs. We're just talking about loving God, which is important, and we're talking about you having a more healthy life and you having a, a better, well-ordered finances, a better marriage, better children, all those things. All those things we need to talk about. But once in a while, we need to, we need to take a step back and say, okay, what, what grounds all of this? What, do we, what, what are the beliefs that underlie all the things we're trying to do up, up on the surface? This is it. Here they are. Here's the 16. The one true God. That means the self-existent and creator authority. The Bible, the accurate human story, authority for life and practice. The Trinity, the three in one, the foundation for all human relationships and all true community. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of humankind and our coming King. The fall of man, created without sin but with a will. With that will we disobeyed God and there we created what we call original sin that resides in every human being. Salvation is the healing of the human soul and the means of eternal life. Sanctification and personal growth is God's plan to grow us daily into the image of Christ. The Holy Spirit is the action of God in the earth, the finger of God in the earth, and the felt presence of Jesus in the world. The ministry is the superintending persons that God has so called and allowed to serve us and to bring us to spiritual maturity. 
Marriage is God's foundation of culture in the merging of male and female to bring us to spirit, male and female into perfect union. And are a picture, a human object lesson of divine relationship, a picture of Christ in the church. The resurrection of believers is the promise of eternal life in a world without sorrow, pain, or suffering. Final judgment is the calling of accountability and the restoration of justice to the world. The second coming of Christ is the government will be on his shoulders. The new heavens and the new earth is the restoration, the culmination of all things and the restoration of all things back to God's created order that he intended from the beginning. So, let's talk about this. The power of truly Christian beliefs. Number one is that they accurately retell the human story. You know, some, many today are calling the Bible, the biblical story rather, the, a myth. It's another, another religious myth. But Paul saw it just the opposite in the scripture that I read back in 2 Timothy 4.4. He said, they turn aside to myths. Now, history affirms that the biblical story is actually the human story. And so that means it's your story. And you need to know your story because you, you live inside of a story. And if you don't really know your story, you might be living, you might be living in a myth. You, you might be living in a, in, in, in a false story. Um, those 16 beliefs that I talked about a minute ago that are at the bottom of our church are the rocks just beneath the water's surface that takes us across the river of history into the future. The beginning, in the beginning God. The fall, of, the fall of man through Adam and Eve's sin. Jesus Christ coming to bring salvation. The baptism of the Holy Spirit equipping the church to walk through the world and giving birth to the church in the book of Acts. The second coming of Jesus Christ. The new heavens and the new earth. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. By the way, it's not true that humans have abandoned the idea of God. That's just not, that's what people are saying, but that's not really correct. We, what, we, what we're doing as a culture and the world out there is we've forsaken any authoritative source of understanding that God, and therefore the God that we have, the, the transcendent power that we actually do have, is, 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 is of our own imagination. That's the real problem. And in fact, according to a Pew survey done in 1988, and I suppose things may have changed a little since then, but 48% of Americans say that God or another higher power directly determines what happens in their lives all or most of the time. An additional 18% say that God or some other higher power determines what happens to them some of the time. That's a majority. Nearly 8 in 10 U.S. adults think God is a God or a higher power has protected them, and two-thirds of, of adults say they've been rewarded by the Almighty. Six in 10 Americans say a higher power will judge all people on what they have done, and four in 10 say they have been punished by God or in, or in the spiritual force they believe in. It could be karma, you know. Uh, they, they believe this, work, this force 
is at work in the universe. In addition, three-quarters of Americans, adults, say they try to talk to God or another higher power in the universe. And about three in ten U.S. adults say God or a higher power talks back. The survey also asked separately about rates of prayer and people who pray on a regular basis are especially likely to say, which is huge, like 90%. People who pray on a regular basis are especially likely to say they speak to God and God speaks back to them. So what's Bethany Community Church here to do? We're here to do what Paul did on what they call a place called Mars Hill, or the Arapagus, which was a place where the Greeks would come and gather together. It was kind of like a court, kind of bring you in and call you to account. So this guy's out preaching the resurrection of the, of the dead of Jesus Christ. So they bring him in. They bring him in to uphold his feet to the fire. And what does Paul do? He announces, I'm here to tell you about, I saw a statue outside when I walked in to the unknown God. Am I here? To, I came to tell you today who the unknown God is. And that's the job of the church. Well, what if people come to the church and the church doesn't know? What if they come here and we go, well, we can't be sure, can't be certain, but we're just supposed to love each other. Love is great. Love is ultimate. But it's not the grounding. It's not the foundation. Love is not the foundation. Tolerance, you know, my, a friend of mine, they did, they did a big national survey, this friend of mine. They do these sort of things and they spend a lot of money to ask people these questions. And they did a survey on how people define love. And they did this about three years ago. And overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, people define love as tolerance. See, it's not grounded in anything. It's like a jellyfish. It's just not It's just floating around in the ocean. It's not grounded in anything. That's not good for you. And that's not good for the world. It doesn't work. It's like the, the goalposts are always moving. <laughs> Another thing, besides becoming our own theological expert, a survey cannot measure passion. The early Christians were set on fire for their beliefs in the Christian story, in the biblical story. That's why those 16 are so important. I'm reminded, Paul says, of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to fan into a flame the gift of God, which is in you. What's the gift of God? The gift of God is faith. The gift of God is faith in the beliefs that are in the Word of God. And so he says, I want you, you've got it, now I want you to add passion to it. Because the New Testament value was they were passionate about beliefs. They would die for their beliefs in the New Testament. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, but who correctly handles the word of truth. So it's really important to believe the right story, get your story straight, and become a student of the story. At Bethany Community Church, we are students of the story, of the biblical story. And it, 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 once you grasp it and you start filtering everything through the biblical story, the world around you will make so much more sense. It will stop being so confused. Even the parts you don't like, you will understand. Human nature, human behavior, so many things 
the, the, the psychological principles contained in here are incredible. I noticed Jordan Peterson the other day made a video entitled, I'm no longer an atheist. I was glad to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> what's, interesting, what's interesting about Jordan Peterson is he, uh, two or three years ago, he was packing out auditoriums in Toronto teaching Bibles, the biblical stories. And what, what he did is he, he examined the psychological uh, principles in the scripture. And, and it's some fantastic stuff. Because he doesn't go where he doesn't know. It's what the, 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 he's, he has some humility. Doesn't go, but he talks about the psychological principles. I'm telling you, Jordan Peterson's coming to God in a very backdoor way. <laughs> you know? But it's because he's discovered that the Christian story and the biblical story is the right story. It's, it's, it, he likes to say it's, it's woven into the structure of reality. I love that. I love that way of putting it. It's woven into the structure of reality. And if you're going to defy these 16, and there's, there's more than 16... But if you're going to defy this, you're going to be pushing back on the structure of reality, and the structure of reality will slap you in the face. I'm not being mean. I don't want it to slap you in the face. I'm not going to slap you in the face. I love you, and, and I, I have a gift of mercy, so I, I'm, I'll forgive you. But, but reality, reality is not very forgiving. God is forgiving. The church is forgiving. That's part of what we believe. But reality doesn't forgive you if you... If you, if you and if you drive your car into oncoming traffic, uh, we, will off, we will forgive you for doing that. But what's going to happen is, is it's going to be painful, right? So secondly, the power of Christian belief is that they cause love and compassion to other humans to make sense. Really. I know you're thinking, well, everybody knows you should have compassion for the weak and all of that. You know, before the Christian religion came along, that wasn't what people believed at all. People believed, you can look at ancient cultures, and they believed if you were weak and down, that was your fate. And, 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 and they also believed that if you were eliminated, that was good. Because if you, want, if, if you want to create a stronger, better world, you need to get rid of the sick and the weak. Because they're messing up the gene pool. Right? Christianity comes along and says, love, the, care for the weak. Give to the poor. It's pretty, it's just absolutely amazing. And uh, a scholar that I really respect is Tom Holland. And Tom Holland has, Tom Holland's another guy who's now gone back to church. When, the first time I heard him, he said, I'm an atheist, but I decided after reading the epistles, I have a Christian worldview. And, and, and I mean, this guy writes books that are this thick. And he said, he, he, he says, Western civilization, this idea of caring for the weak and the poor and empowering the weak, he said it even before he went back to church, he said it's a uniquely Christian idea. I, I, when I think about that, I get so excited. I get so excited when I think about this. I get so excited that, that we haven't kissed our brains goodbye to adopt this, this belief system. We're not crazy. We're, say that. We're not crazy. 
Oh, how I love Jesus, man. Imagine that you're a, at your, you're a stock trader at your office, researching the best stocks to invest in, and your receptionist alerts you and says, a guy who says he's Jesus Christ is in the office and wants to talk to you immediately. You would say, well, send him away, and if he doesn't go away, call the police. And just play along with me. She says, no, you don't understand. He healed me of carpal tunnel syndrome, and he told me that I'd been married three times and that I'm now sleeping around. And I don't know how he knew that. And he just turned the water in the water cooler into wine. So then you go, let him in. And he walks into your office, and he sits across the desk from you, and he says, I've come to give you investment advice that will pay you far superior dividends to anything you've ever had before. And that, here it is. Invest in the poor. Give to the needy. Give your time, your ability, your money to others, and you'll be far more secure than using your wealth to any other mutual funds or any other financial instruments. That makes no sense. But it's what our beliefs support. It's what those 16 beliefs value. That giving to the needy, caring for the needy. I was trying to add it up the other day, and I don't, I know if Sherry's back there, she's going to, she'll be able to, is Sherry back there? Uh, Sherry, you ever do the math on how much money we give away through, through Compassion New England every year? I mean, I'm talking about everything. Happy place, room in the city, everything. Well, just give me a ballpark. I mean, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was close. I, I was going to say $500,000 that we give away. I mean, we don't hand out $500,000, but it's money that if we wanted to, we could bring it back to the church. I could get a raise. <laughs> if we wanted to, that's a good idea, don't you? Susie just voted for it. Can I get a second? All approved, say hi. <laughs> Preaching on the Constitution, man, Scott. We just The treasure's here. He was smiling, so I think he wanted to do it. <laughs> but uh, no, why do we do such a foolish thing? Because of those beliefs. There's a God in heaven. Well, let me quickly, I'm going to read you some scriptures right quick. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deeds. Be quick back there, because I'm going to go right through. If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciples, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. This is what, the, this is what you're telling the stockbroker, right? The, the, the stock guy. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should not give what you've decided. Each of you should give what you've decided to give in your heart, not reluctantly or under compassion for God, compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you use will be measured back to you. Command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age 
so that they may take hold of that, of that life that is truly life. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there will your heart be also. I'm telling you, that is that ethic of giving and generosity and caring for those who the last lost and least and even even those that are around us who may have money they may have financial money but they got all kinds of other needs and so they need your time and they need your attention and they need your love in very different ways there's all kinds of poverty and there's all kinds of wealth and some of you don't have a lot in your bank account but you're really rich in something else and you start to give it away and God says that it wouldn't work if there was no God it wouldn't work if there was not a God in heaven that rewards us, it wouldn't work if there's not a final judgment that, that not only will, will those who are evil be judged, uh, uh, judged uh, with punishment, those who, who are generous and those who live the Christian life and the Christian faith and do the right thing are going to be rewarded by that judgment. It's going to be the greatest day of your life. You're going to say, bring on the judgment. I'm ready for it. Right? The world is corrupt. I mean, 72% of the $800 billion given away in PPP money went to people in the top 20% of income bracket. Households in the top 20%. I mean, if all the money that people gave to Haiti actually got there, there'd be a mansion for every Haitian on that little island, and that island would be restored to that tropical beauty that it was intended to be by God. We are messing, God, messing around with God's creation by abandoning his principles. That's what beliefs are. We don't need a new political ideology either, by the way. We need, we need to bow before Jesus and call him Lord. Finally, the power of truly Christian's belief, and this is perhaps the most important one, the power of truly Christian beliefs. And this, this if we will... If we will think about those 16 beliefs, and there's, there's some more that we need to think about as well. We'll see, and I'm not criticizing you for your level of worship. I appreciate your level of worship. But it'll go to, a, as, uh, as Ed Young Jr. says, a whole other level. It will go to a whole other level. The stronger we believe. Because the power of truly Christian beliefs is that they are a fuel for the fire of worship. Over and over again, the Bible not only tells us to worship, but it tells us why to worship. That's what belief tells you. And if you're trying to do something, if you're trying to do the what, but you don't know the why, you cannot sustain that. You cannot sustain energy for doing something that you don't know why in the heck you're doing it. Sound doctrine reminds us that God has rescued from our, us from our sin, reconciled us to himself, pledged us to himself, provide for all of our needs, now and forever. All these are reasons to praise him, adore him, make a joyful noise to him, and bow down before him in submission and obedience. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise with sing, songs and praise. Now notice the next sentence. The next sentence is the belief. For the Lord is a great God. Belief statement. 
and a great king. Another belief statement. Above all gods. Another belief statement. In his hands are the depths of the earth. Another belief statement. The heights of the mountains are his also. Another belief statement. The sea is his for he made it. He made it. Another belief statement. And his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down and kneel before the Lord our maker. In John 9, in John 9, there was a guy who was blind and Jesus heals him. And the local synagogue did what people do who are just have made a, an idol out of an idea. And so their idea was the Messiah has to look a certain way. He has to be like this. He has to come like this. He has to come in power, all this stuff. So the man goes back to the synagogue after his eyes are healed. And they want to know, what happened to you? Well, this guy, Jesus, healed me. Oh, Jesus, they said, he's a sinner. <laughs> and they threw him out of the synagogue. And he goes and he finds Jesus. So Jesus found him, I should say. And Jesus heard that they had thrown him out and he found him. Verse 35. And he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Now notice, he's just man to man talking to, to this point. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And notice what happened next. And he worshipped him. Belief turned him into a passionate worshiper of Jesus. Christ's goodness didn't cause him to worship. Even, but believing he was the son of God caused him to worship. What, what will transform you into a worshiper? I want, I, this is really important. What will transform you into a worshiper is not more answers to prayer. You say, I, I will worship if God takes care of this or if he takes care of that. What will transform you into a worshiper is not more answers to prayer. What will transform you into a worshiper is believing that Jesus is who he says he is. And then, even if my prayer doesn't get answered, he's still who he says he is. That's why it's better to build your life on the solid foundation of belief rather than the, uh, the unstable foundation, the unstable foundation of Prayer, unanswered and answered prayers. And I, I believe in answered prayer, believe me. So, I'm asking God to send us a revival of belief. Deep down conviction, like Nathan Hell said, had when he said, when he said, give me liberty or give me death. That's a guy who believed that what he had invested in was bigger than him. And that's what we're talking about here today. Believing there's something, there's a story that you're a part of, but it's bigger than you. Something worth dying for. Beliefs gives you a backbone. Beliefs put solid rock under your feet. Now, I believe there's only one path to God, but there are many paths to belief. For some of you, it's a feeling. You just know that you 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 know. And that's how you know you know. And by the way, that's solid. That's, that, that's more solid than you think. Because if you're wired like that, you probably have a long track record of your feelings guiding you to right decisions. So, others of you, 
on the other hand, there's somebody here who your path to God is through heartbreak and difficulty and devastation. Like Anthony Hopkins that I talked about a couple of weeks ago. Hopeless alcoholic, famous actor, but couldn't stop drinking. And a woman said to him at an AA meeting, you should try God. He prayed to God and never drank again. Hard to argue with that. <laughs> or maybe your faith, uh, maybe your faith is um, intellectual. And you're kind of like me. You like to research things. And you, kind of, you, you want to know the why behind it. And many, many people have come to God that way, come to Christ. I, I don't care. For some, it's a visitation of supernatural. There are many, many, we're hearing many, many stories of Muslims coming to Christ in the Middle East through supernatural dreams, visions, and kind of weird things happening that couldn't be coincidences. Regardless, the one thing I'm sure of today is that Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling. There's a song we used to sing, Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the portals, he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Come home, come home. You who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling. Oh, sinner, come home. You know where home is? God has a home for your soul. God has a home for your restless spirit. And home is those rock-solid beliefs and principles that don't change with anything. That's your spiritual home. And that's why the church is your spiritual home. And I believe there's somebody under the sound of my voice today who needs to come home. Home's not a perfect place. My home's not a perfect place. So it's not about that. But if the church is going to be a spiritual home to, to you, we have to tell you the truth. And so somebody here, I believe under the sound of my voice, needs to come home today. You need to come home to Jesus. You need to come home to truth. You need to come home to simply believing what God has said. And more than just saying it, he has given us many, many, many evidences that this story is true. You're living, somebody here is living in the wrong story, but I'm going to invite you to live in the story of Jesus, the love story for your life that began well, other than the Garden of Eden, and it's going to end well with the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to pray for you right now. Father, I pray for the person that I'm talking to right now who's ready to come home. They're tired of trying things, experimenting. They're tired of believing you're in all of the questions and nothing can be certain. And they need something certain today. And I ask you, Lord, to reveal yourself as the certainty of their life. When everything else is shaking, you're the certainty in our lives. And the principles and the things that you teach us from your word are the certainty in our life. So I pray in the name of Jesus that you'll bring us home to you. In Jesus' name, amen.